We've got all of your closure updates, along with a recent development that could affect the future of all Disney parks. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and with us, live from the Hall Cave, Henry Hall. hey <laughs> Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney Universal and beyond. Before launching into things, we'd like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Also worth noting, before we get too far into this episode, we are currently under lockdown in the state of California, which means that Henry is on the phone. I'm here in the studio. We're going to try to make things work, but we'll see how it goes. So for the time being, this is going to be the setup. And Henry, how you doing, man? How are you feeling about things? I'm feeling fine, <laughs> except for this call. Oh my no. God, that's not even funny. Not <laughs> no. even funny. <laughs> no, we're doing good here. Uh, I, I think I'm driving my wife crazy, but uh, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, this is definitely, it's kind of like a social experiment in a sense with, you know, all families forced to remain together and in the same general area and not interact too much in large groups. It's very interesting. We're hanging in there. We've been watching a lot of movies with my two-year-old daughter and introducing her to a lot of the classic Disney animated movies a little bit earlier than we, I think, had expected that we were going to do that. But she is a big fan of music and a big fan of singing. And so those seem to fit the bill pretty well. I definitely have been exposed to a lot of Disney and little children programming all throughout YouTube, including Muppet Babies. That's apparently a, a thing again. If you remember the Muppet Babies from back in the day, they are back and they are back big, Henry. Did you know that? I did not know they were back. Uh, I mean, I still see them like every now and then on some of these older like Boomerang or something. I think they show them yeah. but uh, or or some one channel every now and then, like late or early in the morning, I'd see them come on, and I was. But I didn't know they're back. It is a kind of a CGI animated uh, TV show, but they did this special with Muppet Babies that they've completely built, and are they're interacting with kids, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, the, the it really makes you wish that they could find that secret recipe for a new Muppets TV show that that actually would hit. Because I know that's something they've worked on and they've tried to figure out and they haven't found a ton of success on because Muppets are so, you, you forget how great those Muppets are until you see them in action and maybe see one of the old movies or even see some of the old clips from TV shows. Uh, they're just fantastic. Well, that, that last TV show they had uh, on, I can't remember, it must have been like 2014, 2015 or something. Right. Uh, that was actually... I enjoyed it. We, I watched them all. Yeah, uh, I was sad to see him go, but uh, it was it was more adult though. Yeah, uh, it was interesting that it was a more adult themed uh, show using the Muppets. Well, the Muppets were, if I remember correctly, they were more adult because, like, the Muppet Show was geared more towards like a variety adult show, and then I think they've got kind of a rap for 
being for younger kids because of obviously Sesame Street, which is still also high quality programming. Uh, well, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, the Muppet show was always kind of something that I think was geared towards. It was, it, was, it did lean more towards adult, but like it was something that still kids could watch. But there was in this last iteration, there's definitely a lot more adult humor in it. Right. Uh, I see what you're saying. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, I mean, this time around, like, cause, yeah, it was just a little bit more. I think that's why it also kind of, they canceled it was cause it was so much more adult oriented this time around. It's nice to know that at least, uh, the Muppets are living on in some form. At least. Hopefully it kind of, it keeps the Muppets relevant and keeps them in the public's eye, at least until they can kind of figure out their, their, their footing and, uh, and really get something that's going to stick. The other thing that has been that I've been doing in this weird state of just isolation and um, quarantine, there are, there's uh, a lot of, as you would imagine, Disneyland and Disney World annual pass holder groups on Facebook that have been getting together all of their followers and have been creating these watch parties around ride-through videos and fireworks shows and kind of creating the sense of recreating the sense of community. And so uh, I've been participating a little bit and also working with one of the uh, moderators reached out to me because of some of the videos that I have on Adventures in VR's Facebook page and YouTube page and um, and just requested that, uh, just checked in to see if I had even more videos that I could share um, and make available for watch parties. So I've been doing a lot of that, which has been a lot of fun. It's interesting to see kind of how people are now coming together with these park closures and really seeking out each other and uh, and just that community vibe. Yeah, it's awesome that, uh, you know, they're still, in a way, making their trips to, to Disneyland just virtually now. <laughs> yeah, that that seems to be like all over the uh all over the internet are people that are watching ride through videos on their TV or just kind of recreating those uh, those scenes from the rides as kind of like a DIY project. Um, really fun and creative stuff coming out of that. Yeah, I think my wife was watching uh, a video about some uh, family that built up built their own uh, Pirates of the Caribbean ride yes. at home. Yeah, that's the and one I was going to say. That's that's it. <laughs> she was having a fun time watching it. <laughs> I like, I think for the, uh, that initial drop down, uh, after the bayou and into the caves is them on, it's like, they're either on like a sled or something like that. And they go down the, uh, they go down a flight of stairs or something. It's, it's uh, very creative and hilarious. <laughs> Well, the Disney parks are still closed. And in fact, this last week, we had even more announcements of closures. So uh, as of now, as of this week, all Walt Disney hotels and stores, including Disney Springs and Downtown Disney, have all closed. So this also includes Universal City Walk locations, which had previously announced that they were going to remain open while the Universal parks were closed. So can't go there 
anymore. And the only exception to these closures are any of the stores within downtown Disney or Disney Springs that aren't technically owned by Disney. There's a lot of various different shops there. And so it's each it's up to each and every one of those shops and their management team to decide if they're going to remain open. But for the most part, I mean, I expect that if they haven't closed already, they're going to close pretty soon because it's uh, there's just no very little foot traffic coming in. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, uh, you know, walking through uh, San Francisco, it's a ghost town. I've never seen it. Like, it was just as they announced the the uh, the shelter in place. I mean, it was it was dead outside. So um, I'm not surprised, especially since they kind of announced it for the states. I imagine people are staying indoors as much as possible possible at least i hope they are hopefully man it's you don't play around with this this is this is real deal stuff right now it's it's, uh if 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 there's no other indication uh disney parks are not going to close down and close down all their shops and lose out on these massive revenues that are being reported if it wasn't really something to take seriously oh yeah so with these various closures we also got further updates and clarifications on some of the operational changes that are going to be occurring. So first and foremost, that new Cirque du Soleil show drawn to life that was supposed to premiere at Disney Springs at Walt Disney World at the end of this month has been suspended indefinitely. If you, like me, purchased a ticket for it, you can request a refund by calling. They have a number on their website. And this also comes with the news that it was like 90% of all staff at Cirque du Soleil have been laid off for all of their shows. So, Man, that's, that's really tough. Yeah, it's pretty insane, man. And so uh, with that as well, one of the big questions that I know we had last week when we were discussing this further, and I've heard mentioned throughout the internet as well, is what's going to happen with all of these projects that are being done throughout all of the Disney parks uh, here in the U.S.? Are they still going to be working on the refurbishments? Are they still going to be working on, you know, building some of these new areas that they've been talking about? And we've got word from the Orlando Business Journal that Disney World has shut down all construction and that this is expected to delay everything from small refurbishments to upcoming lands and attractions. They don't mention Disneyland specifically, though I'm guessing with the shelter-in-place rule that we have right now for, for pretty much everybody except non-essential personnel. I would I would expect that that also is going to be the case, much like what we had talked about with New Fantasyland at Tokyo Disneyland being delayed by a month because of these closures. It's probably safe to assume that any of these other projects that uh, we've been looking forward to and that have been discussed uh, will get delayed as well. Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking that, uh, you know, they governor of California announced that kids probably wouldn't be going back to school until after the summer break. And I was wondering, like, if things do, like, wind up like they do lift this lockdown and Disney reopens, I wonder if that's going to change the uh, peak days in uh, Disneyland. Are people going to, like, swarm there after? But then again... 
will people actually even go back once they do open up? And I mean, that's a good question, right? I think that's, it, it is is pretty ambitious to even start thinking that these timelines that they've provided of April 1st that they're going to hold, there's no way that they're going to actually be open at Disneyland or Disney World on April 1st, given that the CDC has this recommendation for eight weeks, uh, which would put us kind of in that mid-May-ish time frame. Um, so yeah, I don't, uh, and then, yeah, when they do open, is it going to be business as usual? Are they going to have limited operations? You know, are people going to flock back immediately? I think it's probably safe to say that at Disneyland, where the population of park goers is made up mostly of annual pass holders, that certainly is maybe a little less tricky to think about that everybody coming back to the parks. But when you're thinking about Disney World, where you have a fair amount of international travelers even, um, and everyone's plans have been affected, it's, it is pretty easy to see how there could be some pretty slim and maybe just, I don't know if it's modified days to get things rolling again and then figure out kind of even what what the plan is in terms of how the parks are going to operate. You'd think that they're thinking about that now, but but it's going to take a while. Oh, yeah, for sure, especially for uh, Disney World, because Disney World will also, the the guest uh, attendance will also depend upon, like, flights and whatnot and yep. what's going on with air travel. Uh, so, uh, plus, considering, uh, you know, the ban on, on people traveling to the United States from other countries, certain countries and yep. stuff is in place yeah it's going to take a while and i don't know if i'm sure the the folks at disney are going to take all that into consideration it's it's a mind-blowing task for sure to figure out like how you're going to coordinate all this information and also get you know not only you you got people who you had working for you you had to bring them back and getting all those people back hopefully they come back you know and, yeah. and don't move on to something else so yeah it's it's a huge task this whole shelter in place is is taking a toll on everybody yeah in a little bit of good news through April 30th, Tokyo Disney will be rolling out videos of many of their outgoing entertainment shows all on their official YouTube page. So specifically, these are shows where the scheduled end date has been disrupted by the temporary park closures. These include shows like It's Very Mini, Pixar Playtime Pals, Fantasmic, and Lilo's Luau and Fun. Each of these videos, uh, the the date that they're scheduled to premiere on YouTube is the same exact date that they were scheduled to end at each of the Disney Tokyo parks. So um, very cool thing that Tokyo Disney is doing to make a lot of those shows available for anyone that um, certainly for anyone that was planning on being at those parks during this time period to, to kind of send these shows off. But just anyone that really is 
interested in checking out some of the entertainment shows from Tokyo Disneyland will get a chance to check these out. And I mean, let me tell you, I was there last year, uh, like everything they do at Tokyo Disneyland, their entertainment shows really are spectacular. So I, I still think Fantasmic is still probably the best at Disneyland, but their Fantasmic is still really awesome and a lot of fun. So definitely uh, check these out. Um, before April 30th, which sounds like is is the date that they're going to have everything up until. Yeah, it would be nice if uh, Disney actually did follow suit, at least by uh, posting uh, the video of the uh, Magic Happens Parade, because I know for a fact that they filmed it since they did it while I was there and had the camera like in our face. Uh, so it would be nice if they followed suit and actually posted a video of the Magic Happens Parade because that parade is really, uh, really nice. Yeah, I think we got to start the um, release the Henry Hall cut uh, hashtag. We got to we got to start that trending. <laughs> yeah, it'd be. Uh, yeah, they probably just go, what? <laughs> <laughs> All the more reason to get it going. Um, and finally, in a curious move, there has been a recent Disneyland app update that suggests even more use of the virtual queue system coming to the Disney parks. So as you remember, anyone wanting to ride Rise of the Resistance needs to collect a boarding pass, which assigns them a number within a virtual standby queue. With the latest Disneyland app version, there's a new selection within the main menu labeled Virtual Cues. When you select the Virtual Cues item, the menu changes to be My Cues with a message that states, it looks like you haven't joined an available Virtual Queue yet. If you attempt to add something, there's a little plus sign in the upper right. If you attempt to do that, the only option is to join Rise of the Resistance boarding group, which of course you can't do right now because the parks are closed. And there has been speculation, we've talked about this, that the upcoming Web Slingers of Spider-Man Adventure may use this system when it opens, at least as of now, July 18th. So um, it sounds like what we were talking about is actually going to happen and that um, if not current rides that are already open, that future rides will start to use a virtual queue system. Certainly, it specifically says, if you if you go right now and look, it specifically is suggesting uh, plural rides. Yeah, I wonder if they add any, like, like what rides will be added to that besides, say, the Web Slingers. What will that mean for the uh, FastPass system as well? Yeah, right. It could be it could be a couple of things. It could be a system that's only utilized for new rides to a certain extent. So when Web Slingers comes out, it has like a six month period where they're only using the virtual queue system. Uh, when the Quinjet ride comes out as part of the second phase of Avengers Campus, um, it's going to be a similar thing where you know that is the only experience that you can join a virtual queue for, or it could be another element of Max Pass. So uh, currently at Disneyland, it's twenty for if you pay twenty dollars, you basically can 
digitally get fast passes for various different rides throughout both parks. Um, and so you don't have to actually go and physically collect a fast pass from the ticket machine. So it would be interesting if either that system is incorporated into that and maybe a select few e-ticket rides also have a virtual queue, which means that on top of your fast pass, you can get a, you can stand in line at the virtual queue, or maybe that is another tier of a payment. So for $35, in addition to fast passes, you can also do standby waiting, which means that you never actually have to wait in a line for anything. Who knows? That that seems pretty far-fetched, that last idea. That's definitely on the extreme side. Yeah, I think it. Uh, honestly, my, my money's on uh, it's just going to be for web slingers and for new rides. And generally, new rides, they don't get the uh, fast passes until a year after the ride's been open. Right. So, you know, this would be a way that you can still kind of utilize some form of fast pass system, at least, or type system for people so they don't stand in line all day. Yeah. I mean, I think what they definitely need to do, if this is a system that they roll out further to either new rides or existing rides or whatever, whatever the whatever the process is, they definitely need to be very clear with this because I think there's a lot of people currently at Disneyland that don't understand what MaxPass even is. Uh, and the idea that, oh, for a little bit extra, you can just digitally get everything and it's all on your phone. I think even if you were to talk to people, there's probably quite a few people that don't even understand what FastPass is and maybe get the general concept, but not that it's at kiosks or that you can only have a certain amount of fast passes in a given time or just the various different rules with it. I mean, it certainly, you know, if you look at Disney World, it is, it's a little more consistent, but it is still confusing in its, uh, its own end, but at least it's one kind of singular system, right? You have, you have tiers, you have an amount of advanced time that you can book those fast passes in advance. And generally, once you've used all of your fast passes in a given day, that's when you can start booking new fast passes. And that is, that is not how it works at Disneyland, right? It's like, Fast pass and max pass work a little bit differently, at least in the way that you collect said pass. And then if there's this other system that's then coming into place as well, um, and you know, you look at Rise of the Resistance, and there were a lot of people that were confused in terms of what that process is and how it works. And it's still not totally clear what the best method to ensure that you have a boarding pass even is. There's definitely just a lot of further room for confusion here. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, after we made our last trip, we tried to uh, actually describe the method to my not only my parents but my in-laws right on how you could actually ride ride the resistance and like at least for my father and my father-in-law both of which don't have smartphones and refuse to get smartphones and and will continue to use just their regular flip phones like they would need to have a smartphone in order to actually just ride a ride, which like dumbfounded them for it. So it's, it, you know, 
And then to try and describe max pass and fast pass, at least they understand the fast pass for the most part. But the idea of ha- uh, of using max pass just is like not on the books for them. Right. Uh, so it's it's an interesting because uh, you know since Disney is such a multi generational place to visit, you know yeah. you do have this generation that refuses to use current technology. And uh, they're basically kind of locked out of stuff now. Yeah. I mean, part of me feels like this is a system that could work and I would actually be into if, you know, the ride hits a certain threshold in terms of what that standby wait time is. Like, let's say, you know, just in general, they want to, and it should be said, this could also be helpful and related to, um, a lot of anticipated fear with people coming back to Disneyland after this coronavirus scare and being in close proximity with people probably isn't a bad idea to have a system in place that minimizes people crunching together in line. So if it could be something where it's like, Hey, if the line is over 30 minutes or over an hour, you can just scan your phone into the system and, you know, or or scan a barcode or whatever, I don't know. Um, And it will kind of virtually kind of add you to a queue and then tell you when to come back. Like, I think that's a system that makes sense. And like I said, is even strategic if it can kind of help bridge those fears with uh, being in large crowds of people with with this kind of coronavirus sickness. Although I I do think also uh, on top of that is that having the virtual queue, virtual queue, you could also have a regular line where there are people who don't have, like my in-laws and my, my parents, who don't have smartphones, can actually wait in line if they want to wait in line or and or have the virtual queue, which would be like the FastPass uh, replacement until FastPass is in place. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that would be an answer for, like, you don't have to actually, like, be uh, at Disneyland for rope drop and still ride, rise of the resistance. Sure. But you just have to wait. I think fle- flexibility in something like this is never a bad thing. Yeah. So let's stick with, we were talking a little bit about Avengers Campus earlier, and we we briefly touched upon it last week because they had that announcement saying July 18th is the day that Avengers Campus is actually going to be here. Um, Here is what the opening slate of attractions and restaurants and shops are. And so because of all of these park closures, we didn't really have an opportunity to dig into it further. And so I wanted to do that today because there is some really cool and exciting things that they did talk about that I wanted to talk to you about as well, Henry. And then we, I just wanted to kind of get your take on how you're feeling about this first half of our our Avengers Campus V1. Basically, I took each of the items that they talked about or that they announced and just have a little blurb from Disney. So to start off, they talked about Web Slingers of Spider-Man Adventure, and interestingly enough, 
the web in web slingers is an acronym for worldwide engineering brigade and the blurb was this family-friendly attraction blends physical sets and virtual environments leveraging specially designed innovative technology that detects body movements and gestures you will reach out your hands and sling webs from your wrists just like spider-man so it sounds like this is that fantasy fulfillment ride that I think a lot of people were looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, it, that sounds super cool. Um, I just wonder how they're going to like track that. Uh, and of course, the, the QA in me uh, wonders like how accurate, you know, that tracking is going to be for like flinging webs i mean there's nothing more irritating than like you're trying to do something interact with something and it's just not doing what you want it to do yeah but if it it comes off well if it if it if that tracking is good then yes it's definitely like a dream come true for for fans of spider-man for sure yeah and i think just for further clarification as well what what we heard about also with that announcement was that you know the whole concept of the ride is that these spider bots have escaped into um into the facility and that you have to ride these vehicles and kind of capture each of these bots that have spread throughout so it sounds like maybe and and, and there's a lot of speculation around if this is or that this is related to or, or kind of the next step for the Toy Story Midway Mania system in that, you know, you have these screens along with these physical toy guns and ride vehicles that you're going around in this environment and interacting with, you know, these virtual creatures. Yeah. If that is the case, I mean, I would be very surprised if they don't do a lot of work to set it apart for Midway Mania because I feel like having both systems in the same park, if they're if if it is very similar to one another, um, that might be a little redundant and that might kind of turn people off. I don't know. What's what's your take? I think I, I think it will. I think it'll set itself apart enough that it won't it won't matter. I mean, especially if I mean, it, I I guess it depends on how you really are shooting these uh, webs for sure is like, I mean, it sounds like they're not really going to have a gun per se. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be using just your hands and stuff uh, to, to do it. In, uh, they're tracking like the motion of your hands, which is interesting, but it's something that uh, was used. If you ever go on uh, the uh, Avengers damage control, VR experience at the void. Right. Uh, they they do something kind of similar, uh, like you're virtually shooting like uh, blasts from your hands, and the tracking is really good on that. But you know you're in a much more contained environment at that point. But I know the technology is there, so um, I think it'll set itself apart enough that. Uh, Toy Story, Midway Mania, and and uh, Web Swingers will will stand, you know, uh, different enough that they'll be fine. Um, uh, but you know, that being said, I love interactive rides because you know that it's just 
just one more way to get you involved with the ride. Yeah, and I hopefully I'm hoping that they learned the Imagineers learned the reaction from um, Hong Kong Disneyland where they pretty much took the Buzz Lightyear shooting ride that they had at Hong Kong Disneyland Tomorrowland and gave it a makeover and dressed it as Ant-Man and the Wasp theme. So really it was the same system and the same ride. It was just they kind of repainted the uh, guns to make them feel a little bit different and the ride vehicles to make them uh, feel a little different. And they did do a lot of work on the physical sets to make it look a little more high profile file and high budget, but it was essentially, you know, rather than them being the Z targets that you were shooting, they were spider bots that you were shooting um, mm. or shrunken spider bots. I forget if they were spider bots or something else, but it was the, it was a similar kind of a thing where there were these little miniature robots that had escaped to this facility and, uh, and infected the system that you had to shrink down and shoot them with. So that ride got pretty mixed reaction because the general consensus was this feels like what it was before just with a new more polished skin to it so i'm guessing that i'm guessing that that is that's going to help guide them into the the direction that they need to be with uh, web slingers here oh i'm sure they have plus that being said is that one thing that i really like about them actually having the spider bots in is that Spider bots are actually something that were in the comic book. Oh, nice! So it's not like they came up with something completely new and and decided to add it to like Spider Man. No, the the superior Spider Man actually created these like little spider bots that he used basically find like hot spots of trouble in the city and to track things and to spy on people and stuff like that because. The superior Spider-Man was really Doctor Octopus in Spider-Man's body. Uh, it was it was a weird kind of time <laughs> for Spider-Man, but uh, there's definitely something from the comic book uh, that comic book fans will enjoy. Not to mention, it does help that you know you can monetize it by making allowing people to build their own spider bots. Right. Uh, but still, I mean, that's still a cool thing to do, build your own spider bot. Yeah, so it sounds like the bots are in canon, and, and at least for the web ride and the store, they're a big part of that. So for the web supplier store, the quote was, this is where you will find the latest web inventions, including interactive spider bots, much like the ones you will see in the new attraction. Other must-have items at web suppliers include a specialty designed backpack to carry spider bots when they are not in action. So that is uh, very much like the droid backpacks that they have in Galaxy's Edge. I imagine it's going to be almost exactly like they do the the droid building in uh, in Galaxy's Edge. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if people aren't going to get kind of like a little flashback from that but i mean it's still you know there's going to be some people who the spider bots are going to be more fun than maybe the droids or people are going to want to have both (laughs) yeah and it does sound at least that there is a high degree of again we talked about this a little bit last week but a high degree of customization even even with skins of your favorite marvel superheroes so if you're a huge black panther 
fan, you can get a spider bot with a Black Panther skin. So that sounds like that that could be appealing for sure. If 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 you're visiting the land and have a very specific uh, character that you want to represent. Oh yeah, with the droids, it, there's definitely a limitation on like how much customization as far as like there's there's only a few droids that are really known in Star Wars. I mean, R2-D2 being the big one and and BB-8, you know. But with Marvel, you have a huge a plethora of heroes and even villains that they can, like, they can draw from that will probably make the Spider-Bots just stand out much more in a customization sense from the droids. So it's definitely, uh, it's got late. Mm. <laughs> to uh, coin a phrase that kind of seems interesting for a spider bot. <laughs> <laughs> so in addition to those spider bots, they also are going to have, they also call out Spider-Man light goggles, a take home spider web kit and Funko pop vinyl figures of Spider-Man, Iron Man and other Marvel superheroes also called out within the web suppliers blurb is nearby the campus supply pod is the place to power up with official Avengers campus gear, including performance fleece hoodies and tees, headwear, drinkware, and other superhero supplies. So it seems like maybe web suppliers is very specific to Spider-Man and the Spider-Bots, and then they have another kind of satellite merch store that is going to be general Avengers campus and general Marvel superhero merch. The question I have is like, are they only going to like be uh, the known MCU Marvel heroes or are we going to actually see heroes that have yet to make an appearance in the MCU like Moon Knight or say even a known character that isn't in the MCU but kind of is been like there's Ghost Rider, Blade, you know, those type of characters that, you know, people do know about in movies, but aren't necessarily in the MCU yet. Uh, You're right. I mean, the, the value of the Marvel universe and certainly the Marvel cinematic universe as well is just the amount of characters that you have to uh, pull from and monetize. Certainly you could see that being the case. It sounds like at least from this announcement, so in terms of characters, what they call out is, in addition to kind of all of the Marvel heroes that you know and love already, they do call out Taskmasters being there and him having an upcoming role in this Black Widow movie. So it does sound like a lot of the characters or at least the character interactions that they're advertising are specifically related to either established Marvel cinematic universe movies or upcoming characters that they want to ensure that, you know, there's some level of synergy there. So you go see Black Widow in the theaters and then you go to the Disney park and there's Taskmaster and there's Black Widow and whatnot. So perhaps you'll have kind of a revolving level of Marvel characters that are always going to be current with the latest movie. And then you're going to have your greatest hits characters. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just, you know, the current like MCU Marvel hero gear, uh, just because, I mean, if you look in the regular park, 
trying to find like a Donald Duck shirt is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And you would just imagine that, you know, I think I actually saw one last time. Uh, so they do appear sometimes, but I mean, looking at it, they got to, you know, they, they're not going to have that much out at the time, you know, they're going to keep it to the the popular, most popular heroes because that, you know, trying to get merch for every hero would be just too much. And there's just going to be stuff that's not going to move, of course. So, Well, and I mean, honestly, it does, at least through this announcement, it seems like the heavy emphasis is placed on Spider-Man and kind of his stable of characters. Um, specifically because that is a, that's a full store that they've talked about, but then the way that they talk about the, um, the area where you can buy other Marvel merch is that it is, it, it's a campus supply pod, at least until that Quinjet ride comes and then, you know, I'm sure it'll open up even further. Oh yeah. Then you, you'll have like, uh, the, the main Avengers and then don't forget, uh, with the uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, they do have a store outside, just outside the uh, the ride. Yep. As you leave the ride, so I imagine they're going to follow suit. I'm just hoping for Moon Knight here. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't they? Was that a TV show that they're doing with Moon Knight? Uh, I think it's been rumored. Uh, I don't know if that is actually like something that's really happening. Yeah, there's so much stuff that has been talked about and rumored, and then either like you hear that it it was happening, and then they stopped production on it. Like uh, yeah. the I guess the what the, the Tron TV show they were developing, I guess they for uh, Disney Plus, but then stopped production on. Right, uh, and broke my heart after hearing that <laughs> they were doing something like that. I don't know. I take everything with a grain of salt until I actually see a, a release date for it. You never know. <laughs> it's never a bad idea. So also talked about was some of the food offerings that they're going to have. The primary one being the PIM test kitchen. So we talked a little bit about some of the items that they were going to have, specifically that uh, it seems like the item that I keep seeing the image of is the pounded out fried chicken sandwich that looks massive on top of this tiny little slider bun. But the quote for Pim Test Kitchen is that it is a food innovation science lab where the food and drinks tell a story. Just as Ant-Man and the Wasp use Pim particles to grow and shrink just about anything, Pim Technologies supplies this innovative science to the creation of shareable bites, inventive size entrees, and sweet treats. So uh, really hammering home this idea of kind of uh, playing with the size of food. So like we said, the chicken sandwich, some of the other items that they talked about were large pretzels. Um, they talked about uh, an impossible meatball that was served inside of this massive ladle to make it look um, really tiny, just various little uh, plays on that. In addition to the PIM test kitchen, they're also going to have the PIM tasting lab where creative alcoholic mixed drinks and beer will be served uh, that will be next door to the overall kitchen area. So that's where you're going to get your adult beverages and your cocktails and mocktails. And then they also 
uh, have two food carts that they talked about, one being the Shawarma Palace, which is a play on that shawarma scene uh, from the first Avengers movie or the end credit scene. So you're going to be able to get shawarma and a couple of other Avengers-styled treats. And then also Terran Treats, which is going to be a food cart that is based around some of the Guardians of the Galaxy-themed food. And I guess that's going to be around there right next to Mission Breakout. Also interesting, that is the only real new Mission Breakout news that they talked about. They referenced the fact that it'll be there and uh, kind of the storyline of the ride, but not much else other than this uh, food cart. So should be some interesting food items going on. I really look forward to like, one, I love big food. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, even like if you're going to make my big food, my, make my big food look little. I'm down for that, just as long as it's still big food. Uh, <laughs> as long as the portions are there, you mean? Yeah, the you know I'm getting a big portion. I, I I'm not. I mean, I'm definitely. Uh, I'm a big eater, <laughs> so I want big food. But uh, I and I'm actually interested with the shawarma, just because that's a very different. Uh, food to have that you know generally you're getting the basics that you see everywhere else in uh disneyland you you get your basic burger you get your chicken and all that stuff or you know hamburgers and type stuff the shawarma is definitely something that you haven't seen in in uh, disney park and you don't necessarily see everywhere so it's nice to have a change up of some new Uh, new food there and whatnot. I'm used to the more kind of expansive menu options and international menu options within California Adventure to be focused around that Pacific Wharf area. So it's not too far from that, but it is still its own kind of separate area. Of course, it's only a it's only a food cart, so it's not like it's taking up a ton of space. It's probably very low risk in that they don't need to move a lot of product in order to justify it there. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I mean, definitely my first thought too was like, wow, that... It, it does seem like the perfect theme park kind of food and that if it's wrapped up, you can walk around with it and, and kind of be mobile with it. So I'm, I'm totally all about more and more different styles of food being in the, uh, the Disney parks. Oh yeah. And if you think about shawarma, if you think about shawarma, it's very much like the, uh, the Ronto wrap for the most part, it's kind of a similar, uh, a little bit similar to that, so and those were delicious. I yeah. mean, um, one of my favorite when, things. Oh yeah, when we went back uh, this last time, uh, and we had since we had to be in the, the park so early at rope drop, uh, you know, Lori, my wife, actually wanted a breakfast uh, Ronto wrap. So nice, and it's it's interesting that she actually called that out because normally. She's not a breakfast person, but she said, I want one. So it it, had, it definitely made a big impression on her when we had ours last time. Hopefully a good sign for things to come for uh, Avengers Campus as well. So, um, And so the last thing that they talked about was this Doctor Strange's Ancient Sanctum. 
And the quote was, Dr. Strange will train recruits in the mystic arts by bringing this ancient sanctum to life with powerful spells. At night, the area glows even more vividly with majestic colors and lights pulsating with mystic energy. Um, my first thought about this was this is like the Jedi Training Academy or or any of those kind of interactive training sessions, little entertainment kind of uh, areas. But I think there's definitely some opportunity here for some really cool, at least looking tricks that they're going to do that really is going to at least visually make this area stand out. Oh, yeah, it definitely sounds like a, a good thing to have for uh, younger uh, children to like experience like Marvel Avengers campus since Bugs Life land is, is gone. You know, the offerings that uh, California Adventure have are as uh, plentiful as Disneyland. Uh, so this is another thing for younger kids to uh, do. Should be good. And also, I mean, it, it works Dr. Strange into the, uh, the Avengers campus. So you, you at least know that that's going to, that's going to be a character that's going to have a meet and greet and some walk around time. And you get to see a different side of like Marvel that, you know, the magic side, of course. And, yeah. uh, and since like, uh, Dr. Strange doesn't use uh wand, unlike, you know, at, uh, you know, Universal Studios, you don't have to buy a wand to hopefully interact with things and and do the magic or participate in that kind of stuff that's that's an interesting idea i didn't even think about that and uh that in comparison to some of the harry potter stuff uh because there's definitely an opportunity there i don't i don't know quite how they would do that certainly within that uh that area there's definitely some opportunities but yeah if they could expand that out further into the campus so that if you've attended that and i don't know get like a pin or something like that that, that pin will interact with areas of the land i don't know but that that sounds pretty cool dude i'd be down yeah let's get that idea over to imagineers i imagine it might be selling like uh dr strange cape oh damn that would be cool yeah you can have that that cool like cape Capes are just cool, period. But uh, yeah, <laughs> although uh, that would conflict with the Incredibles, uh, no capes. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So, with all of that in mind, kind of what is your hope that they really deliver on, or what are you really looking forward to them um, really kind of hammering home when Avengers Campus opens? july or august or whenever it, whenever it eventually does uh well i'm just hoping that they give enough of uh, a taste of what avengers campus has to offer that people are still interested in in more i think uh it was kind of hard to see with galaxy's edge what was coming in the future so it a lot of people, I think, were a little disappointed on the initial launch of it and didn't feel that it was enough. It, it offered enough for people to actually, like, take the time to go visit it uh, before you had Rise of the Resistance. I think uh, it'll be good to see, like, um, I just hope they took the lessons that they learned from uh, Galaxy's Edge and like really like sell us on uh, this is you're you're in Marvel 
you're you're in in uh, New York City, Marvel, which is kind of interesting since Marvel is in real world cities. So you're right. kind of trying to uh, give the illusion that you're, I guess, technically Avengers Campus should be somewhere in New York, especially if you have Spider-Man. So it's going to be interesting, like what that look of Avengers Campus is. But but really, I want to feel like I'm in in a comic book. In a comic book or in, I mean, so you brought up something really interesting that also I hadn't thought about too much. I guess I had assumed that Avengers Campus is in MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I guess they do have the option of making it more of kind of a comic book. So do you think if it delivers on MCU, but not necessarily on comic, that that'll still scratch that itch for you? Uh, I think so. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like the MCU kind of straddles that kind of like it's, it's real world and comic book mixing. Right. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see like how they go in what way. But I mean, I think if you, if they uh, sell us on being in the MCU, I, I think that would be enough, but you know, I really want them to still do a nod to comic books. Well, and it sounds like, to your point, with the spider bots, I mean, that's that's an element that does come from the comic books, right? Oh, for sure. Perhaps that's a good sign for things to come in that regard. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it seems like, you know, at least the Marvel, like, people working on the MCU, they've always acknowledged the comic books and taking stories from the comic books and they're really smart about it. Um, I imagine, you know, people at Disney, you know, to ignore the comic book fan, because really, you know, when it comes down to it, those are definitely going to be, you know, you got MCU people, but the comic book fans are the ones who are like, I'm not going to say that MCU fans aren't, aren't loyal, but the comic book fans, are super loyal and you don't want to like burn them at the same time. You want to keep everybody happy. And I think Disney always does a, a, a good job at trying to keep everybody happy because, you know, that's just more revenue for them if they <laughs> appease the MCU fans and the comic book fans. So, yeah. For sure. And I think, so to your, to your point, I think that the Star Wars example and comparison is a good one, um, specifically with Galaxy's Edge and the kind of trouble that they've had, perhaps balancing that, those fans between current Star Wars, which is to say the current trilogy that just wrapped up, and the original trilogy in that, you know, you're never going to see Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or Lando Calrissian or a lot of those elements that are perhaps specific to the original trilogy. You're never going to see those elements in Galaxy's Edge. And in fact, up until... Up until Rise of the Resistance, you couldn't even really hear the Star Wars theme. I think that that is included, if I remember correctly. There, that is part of the soundtrack to Rise of the Resistance. Um, so, you know, it felt like it was the Star Wars land that just didn't have those core elements 
and again, I can only talk as a as a fan of the original trilogy anyway, um, it didn't have a lot of those elements that I at least attribute to Star Wars. And in that sense, it's very difficult to straddle that line. Um, and so, you know, in looking at Avengers Campus and thinking about what I really hope for and what I want from it, I really want that integration between whether it be comics would be great i think to have those nods but really the marvel cinematic universe because um that's my that's my general uh base as ever shallow as it is um general base of understanding of all of these marvel characters and, I, and i'm guessing that's probably your average visitor to Disneyland that's going to be their level of understanding of of most of Marvel is is from what they picked up during the Marvel movies um, that they've watched. So certainly delivering on that, but also I like the suggestion that they're going to kind of keep current with it, you know, because Marvel is in a much shallower time frame that at least the Mar the Marvel Cinematic Universe there's only like a little bit over a decade right of of movies with that so it's a little bit easier to deliver on that kind of fantasy fulfillment than it is on Star Wars which is kind of sprawling and has had different eras and different characters but um but if they're able to deliver and really make that link feel like it's there between the movies and the lands. You know, what one of I I've I, whenever I used to talk to you or any of the other comic book fans uh when we were all working together, one of the things that I always felt was like there's really no as a as a um as a casual Marvel fan through the movies, there really isn't still isn't an easy entry point into the comic books. Like it's very intimidating for me to be for me to get out of um, Avengers Endgame and be like, man, I'm so excited about that. That was so awesome. I want more Marvel. I want more Avengers. I don't know what my entry point is then to start the comic books or jump into any of those series. It's just way too intimidating, way too vast. And just like I said, it's, it's a bit murky to, to figure out where I go into that. And so you know, if they can start building those bridges, both from the movies and into the comic books, and also maybe even make events that are occurring in the movies feel like they're occurring in Avengers Campus and vice versa, hint at certain things that are within Avengers Campus that are going to then affect part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And certainly now that, certainly now that a lot of Marvel is all under that Disney roof, it seems like that should be something that they could do. Um, and so, like I said, I really hope that they're able to do that. And so that it's not just another disparate aspect with the park development so that you don't have Marvel that exists as movies, but then it also exists kind of separately as comics, but then it also exists separately as a theme park attraction. Bringing all of that together um, is something that I really hope that they're able to deliver on. And obviously that's that's a tall order. But if they can start to do that with with some of these pieces within this first iteration of Avengers uh campus, I think that would be that would be huge. I think you pretty much nailed the point that like since the MCU hasn't been around as long as uh Star Wars has been around, they didn't call out like we're only gonna have new Star Wars stuff here. We're not going to have, 
the original trilogy. And I think that's one thing that might have disappointed a lot of people with Galaxy's Edge because, I mean, you know, Galaxy's Edge didn't look like old Star Wars. I mean, you think of old Star Wars, you think of like probably Moss Eisley would have been a great like example of what people would expect uh, Galaxy's Edge to look like, but it didn't look like that. Or or the Cantina from Moss Eisley would be what people would be expecting. But since MCU hasn't been around as long, they didn't put that kind of limitation on it. So, but you're going to see stuff that, you know, you've seen in MCU, which is since thankfully MCU and the comic books kind of happens a lot around like New York and real world locations. They don't, they, they're not necessarily limited and it's a lot easier to fulfill our expectations of what, you know, the Marvel but the look of the city streets or whatever they're they're working around and appearing in right. should look like. Yeah, and to and to your kind of point earlier as well with uh, with Doctor Strange having the a little bit more of the mystical side and less of the kind of grounded in reality aspects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know that being kind of off to its own little corner where it's kind of self-contained also guardians of the galaxy being kind of something that was already there and off in the kind of at the far ends of the campus and self-contained and already you know delivering as a as an e-ticket attraction it does make it i don't know if easier is the right word but it certainly does at least give them a smaller slice to really focus and drill down and deliver on oh yeah and i think i think they also just it's going to have uh, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe still like constantly having movies come out. You have a lot more um, content to keep the land fresh, right. or keep you know keep drawing from to add more entertainment and and make it something that is constantly like you know they they can draw from. So if they want to keep it fresh so people keep coming in and experiencing new things there should be new content for them to to draw from well and that's also part of the strategy behind not just having kind of new characters that can come in and come out but also having um these rides be a little heavier focused on um on the digital side of things as opposed to the physical set so that you know, when this, when the new Spider-Man movie comes out or when the new Avengers movie or whatever, whatever Spider-Man's next uh, appearances in any Marvel property, they can tweak that visual, you know, display or that film reel or whatever it is that you're playing with um, to include some of those elements so that it's a little bit better integrated and more current. Uh, similarly with this Quinjet ride that's coming as part of that uh, as part of the second phase of Avengers Campus having you know some locations or characters cycling in or out depending on whatever is the latest and greatest Marvel movie that's uh, happening and 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 in the pipe uh, makes a lot of sense and I mean, you know, it's they're going to be working on they're going to be working on the special effects for the movies anyway. So why not just share that work over to the to the Disney ride? And then we've had the example of 
Star Tours, which always gets an up, update whenever like a new Star Wars uh, movie is released. They have a new new uh, release to the to the ride now, which has been awesome. I mean, I definitely could see them doing adding new additions to that and whatnot. Totally, man, and. Let let me also say, in addition to the uh, the integration, I really do think them having something like uh, Daily Bugle newspaper stands or Daily Bugle newspaper machines where you can pick up the latest Spider-Man comic book, uh, I think that is a money idea. So they should definitely deliver on that too. Well, I don't know if it should be a latest Spider-Man comic book, but I think they should. I mean, they, they own Marvel. They should have a special comic that they developed just for uh, Avengers Campus, which you have you brought up a good point that a lot of people don't know where to start if they like want to check out the comic books. I mean, uh, I worked at a comic book store, and one of the questions a lot of times the comic book store owners get, I don't know where to start because you know if you try to pick up like Amazing Spider-Man, I think they went up to like. 300 and something but a lot of people aren't going to know that but having a special comic specifically for avengers campus will get will scratch that itch and they could do one for spider-man and even do one for avengers and for doctor strange and stuff like that uh i don't think it would be difficult for disney to have that made just even having like that issue that just gets you into um, comic books makes a lot of sense. That just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been episode eight of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Bye. Bye.